You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Families have always come in different shapes and sizes. Today, we're closer to recognising the diversity that exists and how important it is to understand that different families have different needs. Kaz Cook is the best-selling author of the 2020 edition of Up the Duff. It's a new anniversary edition of the original title, and it has a number of updates in the book, including diverse families. Hi, Kaz. How are you? Hello. Now, your revised book specifically acknowledges same-sex partners throughout, rather than just referring to mum and dads in in that kind of cisgender yeah form. it's interesting there's there's um there's still a section for dads because I think dads are a special breed category yeah <laughs> um, but there are a lot of same sex partners with babies now and it's important that they're included by others as well you know your kids whether you're in a same sex partnership or not your kids will be at school with other kids who've got families that look different yours Mm. one way or the other and and in fact it's always been that way like I've done a lot of historical research recently and it there's always been this situation where parents you know especially in the past with you know terrible diseases and you know you know um, a whole different medical scenario that parents disappeared uh, brothers and uh, uncles and aunties came in looked up you know sometimes someone else looked up you know families have always looked different they haven't always looked like mum dad and, it's you know, three kids with myth. bows in their hair, yes, you know. and a puppy dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the puppy. What's missing from the latest medical advice when it comes to diverse families? Well, I think a lot, I think doctors and midwives are getting much better at it. But it's just, it's like a book like mine, mm. Up the Duff, it's been around for 20 years. And because I'd always written about, fetuses and babies before they arrive and you don't know if they're going to be a boy or a girl so I'd say they Mm. but now there might even be a parent who wants to be referred to as they because they're not but there's all sorts of new things that we're getting used to and I just want the book to be reassuring for everybody who, who reads it yeah is it easy for people to understand the routine medical stuff when they're pregnant? Well, here's the thing. It's not just what your midwife and your doctor is telling you, but there's this ocean of information online and you don't know what's true and what's not. So part of what Up the Duff does is sort out what are the routine tests that that we can expect now and what about the tests that you sort of have to ask for but can cost hundreds of dollars for special genetic tests? Do you need them? I think there's a lot of commercial pressure on now um, and you don't know what's medical and what's just because your friend told you or you know yes. your mother-in-law said you should have that thing or I think it can be a very confusing time for people. And the way it's presented when you've gone to get the ultrasound, let's say, I remember even the way it was presented because it was medical staff, they had to be really kind of unbiased Form, about it. And, formal, yeah. So you're like, so you, are you telling me this because I need to have it or because you have to tell me? Or yeah, because... yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they use language that's, I mean, very difficult to follow and mm. and you don't know whether to be worried. I mean, there are all these words in, in the medical um, lexicon, if you like, that, that makes it sound like it's a problem and it's completely normal. I remember being told I was a prima gravita. I thought, oh my God. What's that? It's old. 
Yes. Means you're over 30 oh, see, see they, you have the baby. By the time and, I and was, you're having your first baby. By the time so, I was pregnant, it was geriatric. Yeah, right. That was easier to understand. I was like, thank you. I might not even have that terminology right. I've forgotten it now. It was so long ago. Mm. But that's the other thing that, that everyone has a different pregnancy. Everyone has different medical needs. You know, you might breeze through and then suddenly be told that, you know, you're developing preeclampsia and that sounds really scary before they tell you that there's treatment for that. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And talking before about diversity, actually up to um, just a little less than two and a hundred kids are born in Australia every year with some sort of hormonal difference, which means it's not really easy to answer that question, is it a boy or a girl? And even though some of those new routine tests tell you at week 12 whether you're having a boy or a girl it's not so easy for other people and it doesn't have to be that scary there's lots of medical help to explain what the differences are and usually they know how that child will identify a little later on so I think sometimes things can seem absolutely terrifying and weird and different to a degree that you just can't get your head around and it's just important to have for me it was important to have a reassuring book that interpreted a lot of the medical stuff that you that you're likely to come across or you're not likely to come across but still may happen. And is it in this book would you include that kind of advice for after the baby comes so like those first days in the hospital? I've got a little bit of that in Up the Duff but that's why I wrote the sequel Simple. which is Babies and Toddlers. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I don't sort of go, and then the baby comes out, goodbye. Uh, you know, <laughs> Good there was a bit about your breastfeeding. Hopefully that will work out for you. But there's also what to do if it doesn't. And yeah. um, But it's really the Babies and Toddlers book that's got the full kind of crying, sleeping. Well, it was like the first morning after, you know, I'd been in labour for almost 24 hours. And, you know, I was just getting over the shock of having a small baby in my arms. And I just remember there was, it felt like a flurry of different midwives and pediatricians yeah, coming through, that. telling yeah. me stuff, me panicking, thinking, I must remember all this. But I was smashed. Yeah. I was not going to remember any of it. Yeah. One of the things I say is pick somebody you like and listen to them. Mm. Um, and that, that works with um, midwives in, in, ho- in hospital often. I think it's really mean to tell people that they'll have um, mothering instincts immediately. Oh, God, no. Because how can you have instincts if you don't know what's normal so then you have an instinct for what might not be quite right? Yeah. Um, I, and that's why I think, you know, it's, it's equally important for mums and dads to feel like they will develop their skills, they'll develop their confidence as parents, and as you say, it can be so overwhelming. You're so like, oh my God, this tiny human who was inside me a minute ago and is now out and separate and in the world. I remember feeling a great fear that I wouldn't be able to keep her alive, that it was yeah. too much responsibility. Oh yeah. Um, I still feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I know. It is a, it's a long haul parenting, isn't it? Um, yeah. And that's why I think it, for me... I wish that when I had my baby first, I'd had the book that I wrote, that I finished the first mm. year she was alive. Well, thank goodness you did it for the others. Other <laughs> no, women selfless out there. act. It was very kind of you. <laughs> what about the different needs uh, of pregnant women who have different cultural backgrounds? Have we got oh, a better here's understanding? Here's a fascinating thing that I learned in the research. Women of South Asian heritage, so Bangladesh, India, Sri Lanka, anywhere in South Asia, even um, Afghanistan, and of African heritage, have a shorter full-term labour. 
So that their full-term labour is about 38 weeks compared to other people at about 40 weeks. Now, wow. you need to talk to your doctor and your midwife about your whatever your individual circumstances so that's are. that's quite lucky. But they've worked that out through research. Isn't but it's incredible? really important yes. not to let a woman with that heritage go to 41 weeks before inducing her, for example. It's also important they so, know, so they ask for maternity leave and at the that's right what, time. <laughs> yes, so they I get have, a time off before yeah, the Yeah, but it's comes. also just so they know. Yeah, So of that course. when they're going through and thinking about when this is going to happen, that they're not sort of... Planning. I mean, I mean you never the... know what, what exactly is going to happen to you. But that was fascinating to me that, that that is just re- more recent research. And there's also more recent research on um, monitoring baby movements in the last weeks of pregnancy and even now recommendations for sleeping positions for mums in the last weeks of pregnancy, which is to lower the statistical risk of stillbirth. And so that's they don't... to sleep on the side, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then if you wake up in the night and you're, you're lying on your back, don't worry, but just roll, roll back onto your side before you go back to sleep. That's in the last trimester. And it doesn't mean that everyone who sleeps on their back is going to have a stillbirth. Uh, nothing of the kind. It just means that it, it gives a higher risk to everybody in general. We can't predict. So it's just safer for everyone to do that. Yeah. Um, and I... I know that knowing these new risks and knowing about the new tests can feed into the anxiety that so many of us feel. But I really think knowing means that you can feel actually more reassured because you know you're doing the right thing. Well, the point is that they can, people can look in your book and make their own... Make up their own mind. mind. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same as, you know drinking alcohol when you when you're pregnant or eating soft cheese here's what the risk is is it a small risk is it a big risk here's the latest research you make up your own mind but it's again that thing of you know don't come to us in five years time and say you never told me that I was going to be exhausted we're trying to tell you everything it's a very thick book I've got to say it is and if you have an old copy of the book which has outdated medical information please don't lend it to anyone or sell it or or buy it secondhand just use it for kindling compost or souvenir purposes and the new one is is a beautiful big bumper edition kaz thank you so much for coming in thank you that's kaz cook she's the best-selling author of up the duff the real guide to pregnancy it is now in its new edition form for 2020 so you're a year ahead already and it's got all the research you could possibly want we'll pop links in the notes of this episode and and some jokes and some i keep forgetting (laughs) to say that it's very funny as well which is so important um but you'll find links to where you can get a copy in the notes of this episode Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time. Hold up. 